This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Brought to you by Scott's. And good morning. It is AM740, and Charlie Dobbin is alive and well and right here in the studio. And Robbie Lane is joining me. Welcome. Yes, I'm filling in for a vacationing Frank Proctor. Good to be here. Wonderful. So nice to have you here. Yeah, it was fun last week, and I thought we'd do part two. Okay. As someone asked me on the way out as they were leaving, they said, well... Why isn't Frank here? And I said, they've called in the B team. <laughs> <laughs> the the Sue Sue chef. Yeah, the Sue Sue chef. Yes, that's right. <laughs> okay, well, here's a, a couple of quick announcements before we, we head off to uh, answer some calls and sort of chat and find out what's been going on this week. Okay. Um, get out your calendars. There are some things going on. One is next Sunday, August the 7th, the Toronto Japanese Garden Club's 33rd annual Nature's Beauty Show. Uh, is on next week from noon until 4.30. Now, this is not just your average garden show. This is pretty special stuff. It's at the, it's called the Momiji Senior Center, which is at 3555 Kingston Road in Scarborough. There will be demonstrations, for example, demonstrations in bonsai. You know what bonsai is. Yes. It's where you keep things really little. Uh, Plants. They might be, you know, 100 years old, but they're still often... Or it's what you yell when you jump out of an airplane. (laughs) There's that, too. (laughs) Bonsai demonstrations at 2 o'clock next Sunday. And Ikebana. You know what that is? That's what you yell when you... (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Maybe in your house. (laughs) Ikebana is a form of floral design. Uh, 3 p.m. next Sunday. Displays, obviously, Ikebana, bonsai, and miniature gardens. There will be awards. There's a tea room that opens at 12 noon. And, of course, there's sales. Plant sales, flowers, white elephant, and collectibles. I always laugh. White elephant. All right. What does that mean? I have no idea. There's a bunch of elephants in the room that are white, I guess. And they're for sale. Okay. All right. Uh, $5 a person. Children under 12 are free. So that's at, like I say, the Momiji Senior Center. And that is a Japanese word for maple. So that's okay. the maple senior Charlie, center. Charlie, will you excuse me one second? I left a paper out there. Oh, and which, I have to go and get it. But is, you're going to go I'll, on and, I'll and carry talk on. here. Okay. Okay, no problem. You just like go on out, you know, have a cup of coffee, yeah, something. I'll, I'll yeah. have a nap. <laughs> Thanks, Robbie. That's why he's the sous sous chef. He's not quite trained up yet. Uh, and now one more thing coming up. The Ontario Iris Society, formerly the Toronto Region Iris Society, will be hosting their annual rhizome auction and sale at the Toronto Botanical Gardens also next Sunday at 1 p.m. So, of course, you know the Toronto Botanical Gardens is Leslie and Lawrence. Uh, and right at the corner there, it's a happening place. Beautiful place to go and oh, hang out. If it you is the best. need a little tranquility or serenity in your your yeah. life. It's, yeah. and, and not to mention just the little buzz too, because when the children, they got camps going on there, school kids come through, weddings. I mean, it's, you know, it's a very photographed 
photographic kind of place. I've used that place, I don't know how many times in my life when things are getting stressful or mm -hmm. something has happened in my life mm -hmm. and I just, you know, it's just too much. Mm -hmm. And I go there and walk mm -hmm. and it, within an hour, it's a whole different world. <sighs> Your heart slows down. It really does. It's blood amazing. pressure comes down. I know. It's, it is amazing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So whether, because there's so many different places to walk there. I mean, you can be in colorful, vibrant flowers or you can be in very peaceful woodland. Uh, you can be down by, you know, babbling brooks. Yes. You know, you can be up in a hot, sort of dry, uh, you know, real almost arid uh, situation up at the top near the parking lot where they got some really uh, dry land gardening going and on. And babbling so. brooks sometimes is a big relief from babbling radio people. <laughs> <laughs> Not you, of I course. was going to say. Um, <laughs> thanks for that. No. But no, you're right. Babbling anybody, right? You know, yeah, brooks, babbling, yes. brooks are great. Um, all right. Uh, but you know what? Speaking of babbling brooks. For the last few days, since Monday, <clears throat> I've been out and about participating in Communities in Bloom. Mm -hmm. It's a program that different communities enroll in to showcase their communities. And I'm a judge and I go out and I, I mean, I hate to use the word judge, but more of an evaluator or, you know, somebody who comes in with, with ideas, new eyes, fresh eyes into the community. So I was in, I was, it's like French immersion, but instead it was Cornwall immersion for two days. <laughs> then it was a place called Mississippi Mills. Uh, immersion. And of course, I never even heard of Mississippi Mills, but it's one of the new amalgamated towns. Oh yeah. So you you know where Ottawa is. Mm -hmm. You know where um, to go Carlton Place. Yes. To the west. So keep going west, and you come to Mississippi Mills. Uh, it's a it's an amalgamation of some very small towns: Almont, Pakenham, Ramsey. All rivers, okay, and Mississippi River is one of them, which is where Mississippi Mills comes from. And historically, it was all about mills. All these rivers yes. were lined with mills. Yep. And they were at woolen mills. So the, what's so cool about it is that, of course, the mills are no longer functioning as mills. You know, they invented synthetics that all went offshore. All these mills sat there just derelict and cobwebby. So what they've done, instead of just ripping them down and, you know, building condos, they've been restoring these mills. Oh, they're just amazing. You know, 12, 15-foot ceilings and turning them into condos. Wow. So, you know, beams and huge windows and amazing floors and then obviously all modern amenities in these phenomenal spaces. Sounds like a great place to live. Uh, yeah. This place, Almont. It's very artsy. It's very creative. And I was just telling you before we uh, came on here, and I probably should tell you more about it later, but a, a very funky idea that the group, the Mississippi Mills group, has come up with as a fundraiser to carry on with their beautification uh, is a calendar for mm -hmm. 2012. And it's the Naked Gardeners of Mississippi Mills. So it's, uh, it's, it's beautiful. Like it's, it's fun, but it's beautiful and because it's very and, artistic. And all these people are really residents of that area, Absolutely. all the Naked Gardeners. Absolutely. Every wow. single one, and they've got lots of them. They got lots of gardens. <laughs> I mean, do they do this normally? In garden the, the naked nude or? part? I'm not sure. They okay. were closed when we were there, and we but we were only there for two days, <laughs> so you never want to jump to too many conclusions. No. Well, that's a great idea, and I'm sure they'll raise a lot of money. With I that. think so. They're, they're Amy. They want to, They're going for thousands on this, and I put in an order, so I've got well, my I think mine's I might coming. Have to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give you the website and stuff later. It'll be out in September, so it'll be okay. one of those things people might want to just make send a lovely away. Christmas gift. Absolutely for 2012. <laughs> we should probably give out the phone numbers Good because idea. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that have questions for you, Charlie Dobbin. Uh, the phone number here in Toronto is 416-360-0740 locally or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. And we do have some people on the line, but we got to take a little break first, and then we'll take our first call. There are 
about hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. Brought to you by Scott's. And good morning. We're with Charlie Dobbin on the Toronto's Only Garden Show, and we have uh, several calls waiting, and I believe it is uh, Brenda from... And she's got problems with her radishes in, in Dundas. And, and if there's any bad place to have problems with your radishes, it's in Dundas. So, Brenda, <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Brenda. I have a nice little row of radish with some old mulch, and then I have a row of beets. And they look wonderful. The leaves are great. But when I pick them... The radishes are all sort of twisty, and they have like an oblong shape, and the beets have a sort of almost a triangular shape, and they're supposed to be round. <laughs> now, is it this old mulch, or is it, have I overwatered? What have I done wrong? Uh, is this a place where you've grown root vegetables before, like No, radishes? no, it isn't. It's a brand new uh, spot that I, last year I had some um, triple mix put in there and some compost, and and it's the first year for growing vegetables. And the butternut squash are doing great. Mm-hmm. But these two little rows, they're just, hmm. they're not right. They don't sound it. So no. uh, and the one thing I always think of when you get odd-shaped underground plant parts is that, is the ground very uh, compacted? Is it a heavy clay, perhaps? No, no, it's all nice and loose and black. Hmm. It's a little bit low-lying, and maybe I've overwatered. Yeah, which can make a difference for sure. I don't know why that would affect the shape necessarily. There might no, be something that just so long and slightly huh. and they look like they're being strangled. <laughs> <laughs> hey, some people grow odd shaped vegetables and take them off to the Royal Winter Fair. So maybe, you know, you might want to just <laughs> consider that. But right. or or any fall fair. The how do they taste? Very woody. Woody, okay. I got one that was almost round that was okay. The rest are all very hard and just like blocks of wood. And when I think woody, I think underwatering. I don't think overwatering. So you oh. know what? You're going to have to leave this one with me. I'm okay. going to have to. Well, perhaps there's somebody listening who can give us a call and yeah. give us a tip on what might be going on. Yeah. Meanwhile, leave it with me and I'll, I'll see what I can find out and, and report back. Either, you know, yeah. try to do so before the end of this show. Thank you. Thanks, Brenda. Bye-bye. Yeah, well, Charlie always <laughs> follows up, don't you? Well, I try to. Yeah. And I try to be, you know, the goddess of the garden who knows absolutely everything. But every now and then it's something that stumps me. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but even goddesses get stumped. I guess. I don't know. I haven't met many. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, Frank, you know, really, honestly, if there is somebody out there that has a thought on what might be going on with Brenda's radishes and beets, odd shapes, woody flavor, give, do give us a call. We're always interested in your experiences as well. All right. Rochelle is calling in from Cremore. She, uh, yes, pro- good morning. Well, good morning, Rochelle. Morning. I, I have a tree in Toronto that's got the leaves being chopped around the edges, like somebody's taking sort of dainty bites out of the leaves. Uh, and also I noticed that a couple of leaves are starting to turn brown. Is it is it all the same thing? Uh, perhaps. Do you have any idea what kind of tree it is? Yes, it's a red bud, eastern red oh, bud. Oh, eastern red bud. My baby. Yeah, I bet. Uh, lovely, lovely tree. Uh, native, so it's probably some native bug that's hungry, <laughs> chewing the edges. So, And they are big leaves, big heart-shaped leaves. So you're, they're yes. all kind of ragged on the edges. And how long have you been seeing that, that raggedness? Just in the last week or two? or? No, it's been 
<laughs> at least three weeks I've been trying to contact you and disconnecting myself each time. <laughs> so I'm really feeling lucky that I got through this time. Oh, good for you. Well, um, do you see any evidence of bugs when you look at the plant, at the leaves? Do you see anything on there that shouldn't be there? No, and I'm looking up from the bottom mm. because it's uh, about, um, I don't know, eight feet tall or so, so right. I can actually get a good look at the underneath of the leaf. And I don't see anything around the ground. It's got, um, you know, that woody stuff that you put down. The mulch, yeah, at mulch, the base. The mulch has got mulch around it, yeah. Which is great. Yeah, you know, you should. Tell me, are you watering this plant? Have you, like, in this in the heat and the drought that we've been having, have you made a point? No. Okay, so that's that will be my first suggestion. Keep in mind that leaves are ephemeral. The leaves that we have on our plants this year are not going to be there next year. So, you know, the odd bite, the odd edge goes missing. Sometimes it looks like a shotgun's been shot through some of the leaves because of holes. But it, it's not typically a huge deal. The plant has lots of leaf surface, particularly redbud with a nice big leaf. It will continue to photosynthesize. It will continue to, you know, translate or translocate sun energy into carbohydrates storing in the root for next year. So I wouldn't worry so much. Those leaves are going to drop soon anyway. What I would do, though, is I'd do everything to make sure that our trees are, are in good condition as we come to the end of this growing season. And that means some very slow but deep watering of our trees. And, and if you don't see evidence of bugs, I wouldn't be rushing out spraying anything. There's nothing there to spray. A few little edges missing, yes, unsightly, but not going to kill the plant. Drought, however, will. Yeah. So that's the one thing I would suggest is just when you get back, are you back in Toronto after the weekend? Yes. Yeah. So what I would do is just whether it's with a soaker hose or it's with your hose turned on very, very low, just a, like a dribble. You just lay that hose on the ground, let the water dribble out onto the ground at the base, not right up against the trunk, but, you know, a couple of feet away from the trunk of the tree. Leave it there for an hour, then move the hose, leave it in that spot for an hour, and move it all the way around. You might leave the hose out there for three or four hours, just dripping slowly uh, to try and really deep, like get the water down deep. Gravity will take it down, and that's the main thing. Sometimes mulch gets so dry, and mulch has cedar in it, and cedar has an oily surface, sometimes it's really hard to get the water through the mulch. It won't yeah, penetrate. Yeah, it hardens up. Exactly. It's like, yeah. a, you know, a shell. Yeah. So, I, mean, I, I know we've had a bit of rain, but I'd still stay on that watering thing. Shall I scrape the mulch away to no. water it? No, leave the mulch. The, the water will penetrate eventually. It's, you know, it's just that slow process of getting the water down. You can loosen the mulch if it seems very kind of hard and, and, and you know, almost like I say, like a shell. Nothing wrong with getting out a, a fork or a, um, you know, a, something, a, a trowel even, just to give a little loosening of the mulch. But do leave it there. No, mulch is great. Mulch provides, keeps the soil cooler, helps keep the moisture in. Okay, but leaf nibbling is acceptable? I would not be at all worried about it. August is around the corner. The leaves are dropping in the next month, six weeks anyway. So wow. at this point, a few nibbles, no big deal. I'd like to kill those critters. <laughs> you know, it could be something as simple as earwigs. They do their nibbling at night, right? Yes. So we don't see them uh, when yes. we look during the day. And they are edge chewers. They do love to chew the edges. So uh, an earwig uh, trap just consists of some empty pieces of hose right down at ground level. Uh, of course, earwigs love the dark, so when the sun comes up, they'll hide in the hoses, the little pieces of empty bamboo or rolled up newspaper, any of that sort of thing. But you have to empty those traps during the day in order to actually lower the population of earwigs.
Yeah, yeah. So that's or beer or beer. Beer, well, beer. beer is more for the slugs, and of course, slugs oh. aren't going to crawl all the way up a, a red bud. They stay closer to the ground. Thank you for your time, okay. very much, Charlie. I do appreciate it. Thanks for calling. Yeah, Enjoy the weekend. You. Thank you. You too. Alrighty. Bye. All right. Bye. Uh, we have Catherine on the line. She we we had to ask her to hang on for just a second because you have something to say. Uh, exactly. I just before we we head off to one of our wonderful sponsors, wanted to mention about Sierra Sil. Uh, something that keeps me able to keep going, you know, it's that ever-ready bunny part of myself that just keeps on going. And you do. I do, I do. It's been a, it's been a crazy non-stop week and, and more to come. So just uh, Sierra Sil is, uh, not sure if you're familiar with it, Robbie, but Frank and I are both quite, quite enamored by this product. It's a mineral supplement, and it's completely natural. It um, works by keeping aches and stiffness at bay. So gardening and golfing and, you know, in the winter, shoveling the snow, whatever it is you want to do to stay active, walking, um, swimming, all that stuff, pain-free. If you have any kind of aches or stiffness, arthritis, any of those kinds of things can be alleviated with Sierra Sil. So for more information, give the people a call, 1-877-JOINT-14. You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. We are here, and I'll give you the numbers once again. If you'd like to talk to Charlie, it's uh, in the Toronto area, 416-360-0740, and out of town, 1-866-740-4740. Charlie. So before we started the show, Robbie, you were sharing with me, uh, I know you have a big property, and we've talked last year when you were playing this role as as the sit-in Frank, you told me a bit about a you know massive cedar hedge, you know, like hundreds of feet long, yes. which obviously is a huge item to maintain, but that you've got something going on with that. Not the hedge mm. yet. Oh, I see. Uh, thank goodness. There's a, a large cedar tree at the base of the driveway, mm-hmm. and I noticed that in the spring there was a small kind of a brown patch right mm-hmm. about halfway up the tree, and I thought nothing of it. I thought maybe just winter mm-hmm. damage. But as time has gone on, the small patch has turned into a large hole where mm-hmm. you can actually see into the tree now. And uh, a lot of the leaves have dropped off and are brown and, yeah. and, uh, and it, gone. Yeah, grad, ground level. So I asked you about that. Yes. And I said, well, that, you know, good question, because this is something that does happen. It's, it's a fairly old cedar. How tall is it? It's about uh, 18 feet tall. Yeah. So it's a good size. Yeah. You're absolutely right. In the spring when we see browning on any evergreens, but particularly cedars, first thing to always suspect is winter dehydration or desiccation and concern that, you know, the plant just got too much sun and too much wind and some of the leaves have died. Uh, I do encourage people in the spring or early summer, put some gloves on, now hard with an 18-foot plant, but don't ever hesitate to kind of comb out dead stuff from a cedar. We expect the inside growth to turn brown, but the outer fronds or the outside of a cedar should always be green. If you see brown patches that are getting bigger, we do suspect an insect that's called a cedar leaf miner. And it is an insect, it's a tiny little larva that survives the winter, wakes up in the spring, and starts chewing the inside. Side. It's called a leaf miner because it mines out the center of the, the leaves. And the little bit of brown, of course, becomes a browner, bigger patch of brown because the leaf miner is eating and killing as they yes, go. Yes. 
a way to check that is to break off a piece of brown near where the brown and the green come together and and split the 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 frond apart and it will be hollow if it's been tunneled through by the leaf miner and you may even see the the insect it's very small uh working its way into the green um at this time, we don't have any insecticides that are available to be used uh, for spraying. We used to use systemic insecticides for this particular, any internal bugs, but those are not available any longer. Not in this country. No, not in this country. So, yes, you can break the law and you can go shopping in another country. <laughs> and, but but um, if you were going to do that, you would do that early in the spring. If you were going to use a systemic, um, even diazinon used to be used for this. You would use this, you know, sort of mid-May and again in mid August because that's when the, the second generation, not second, but the first generation has the eggs have hatched from the, the first go around in the spring. So if I go on an illegal run <laughs> to find one of these things, mid-August would be the time. Rum runner. Or <laughs> you would just say, okay, I've a healthy plant can withstand a lot of chewing, you know, which is exactly what Rochelle was asking about our last caller. Yeah. Should I be worried about a little bit of edges missing off my, the leaves of my, my redbud tree? A healthy plant can withstand a fair amount of abuse. And you're, if your cedar is healthy, it will bounce back. It will grow more. The trick, of course, is to help that plant, sh- you know, kind of shake off the insect. So... Good garden hygiene. Always rake away the brown as it falls. Don't allow that to stay on the ground. There could be little insects in there that are going to then turn into little moths because that's the other thing. The adult is a tiny little white moth. Did you see any kind of clouds of moths? Don't know. I haven't. No. Take a look and see if you do see any kind of moths fluttering about because that's the adult form and it's looking to lay its eggs, which of course will hatch and start boring through again. Yeah. So that's what you want to eliminate. Now you can use um, a, a soap spray on the moths, right? Because that will, will stop them from laying eggs. If you don't see moths, don't waste your time. But do clean up what you've got there. Trim out the brown. Okay. Right? And, and rake up what you've trimmed out. Don't leave it on the ground. And make sure that you are doing the sort of good things to keep the cedar happy. At this time of year, it's all about water. Yeah. Uh, in the spring, it's all about fertilizer and water as required. Well, after I noticed this, uh, driving around the neighborhood, I noticed several other people with cedar hedges and, tree, and trees and bushes with exact brown spots thing. as well. Exactly. Yeah. And I've seen it as well in my neighborhood. Yeah. You know, and it's like you say, it's like a real patch. Oh, yeah. It's, not it's just a hole that, now. Yeah, well, boy, they're like that big, like three feet apart. Kinda. It's about, uh, yeah, yeah, about three and feet. Half, and you can wow. see right into the base of the tree. See the, the, trunk. Main, the trunk. Yeah. So maybe you want to turn it into a poodle, you know, turn it into a, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> trim, trim and make it a topiary. Okay, you come on over and turn it into a poodle. <laughs> Sure, why not? (laughs) Well, thank you. Oh, my pleasure. I'll try that. (laughs) Okay. In the meantime, we've got Catherine on the line. Good morning, Catherine. Good good morning, all. Um, uh, My question is about the humble petunia. Oh, kidok. I have never, in in all my years of gardening and looking for plants, ever seen an orange petunia. Wow, you're right. Either am I. Really orange. And this year, not at the nursery, but at uh, um, a grocery store where they had their flowers, mm-hmm. their plants, there was um, a container, a hanging one, with a profusion of just orange petunias. So I bought the thing and separated them, and I've planted them. And they're, they're just beautiful. They're very, very profuse. Mm-hmm. But I want to know... Since I've never ever seen them anywhere else, not even at the nurseries, how can can I get seeds from what I have? Well, you can get seeds, but keep in mind that 
it's unlikely that you will grow orange petunias from an orange petunia. Really? Because of the way genetics works. They're oh. probably some sort of odd hybrid that neither you nor I have heard about, but it isn't that hard to save petunia seeds if you want to try and do that. Well, I do. Okay, so here's what you do. Um, towards the end of the season, when there's you know sort of more space between the, the leaves, you may find it easier, but bottom line, at any time, after the flower dies and falls off, do you find that this is a petunia that cleans itself, it drops its flowers, or do you have to clean it up and take off the dead flowers? Uh, mostly take them off myself. Okay. So behind where that sort of shriveled up flower petal, tubular petal was, yeah. is is a little, it's called the calyx. It's a little, almost a ball. It's the fruit of the plant. Yeah. And and it's that will start to swell. And there are seeds within that, that little bulbous bit. Oh, okay. So allow that to happen until it turns brown and then just get out your little scissors, uh-huh. cut the stem off at that point where uh-huh. that little bulbous bit is. Uh-huh. And and that is exactly, and of course, because if you leave it too long, they will split open and tiny, tiny seeds will disperse. Uh-huh. So you need to, to remove those little calyx, swollen calyxes full of seeds before they split and before the seeds are disseminated around your yard. I've had petunias come up the next year. Have you really? Yeah. Uh, if we get a warm enough spring, and this wasn't a good example this year, but I've had many things. I've had petunias and, and some of the more easy ones, of course, are snapdragons and alyssum every year comes up from seed that's dispersed the, oh. the summer before. Uh-huh. But petunia, because they do need a long period before they'll germinate and grow, we need a warm spring to ever kind of have that happen spontaneously. So your idea of saving some seeds is a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like I say, so then <clears throat> once you've saved those little pods that haven't split open yet, bring them in. You need them to keep them dry. You need to keep them dark. Yes. And eventually you will either split them open or they'll split on their own, but keep them in a container. Um, typically we like to put them in a, a dark glass or a, something that light is not penetrating through jar and and they should be dry and just hold on to them you'll plant them next january and start the process of trying to see if you can get orange petunias from the orange petunia now w- uh- May I plant them directly in the garden? I wouldn't. I would start them indoors because oh. they do take so long to oh. go from germination to flowering. Oh. If you go directly out in the garden, it's going to be May and it's going to be August before you've got flowers. I see. So by starting in January, you'll have flowers for May. I see. Well, wish me luck. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and give us a call if you have any confusion about how to grow petunia seeds in January, and we'll, we'll get that all sorted out. Oh, thank you so Wonderful. much. Wonderful. All righty. Take oh, care. Best. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Well, that was interesting. Yeah. And at your house, you have all kinds of this thing happening just I'm a willy-nilly. Bit, I was going to say, I'm a bit of a <laughs> willy-nilly gardener, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Things come up, and of course, I, sometimes I don't know what they are, and I might leave them, but I often know when they're pretty tiny what but they are. But you tell everyone that this was on purpose, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Or I blame the squirrels. You know, uh, yeah. When all else fails, you say, I had a really good design plan, but the squirrels messed it up. <laughs> the best thing. Or a husband. <laughs> that too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Lucille and uh, that Robert has been waiting for a long yeah, time in Hamilton. We better talk to Robert. Robert, good morning. Thank you for calling from Hamilton. Yeah, I'm looking for a multiflora rose, and I'm going to hang up. Okay, sorry, which multiflora? Multiflora rose. Okay, and you want to know where to get that? What's that? You want to know where to get that rose? Yep. Okay, doke. You're going to hang up and, and listen to the answer. Yep. Okay, thanks for your question. Bye-bye. Let's let him hang up. Yeah, that was a, he had um, the radio on. Yes, he did. That <laughs> was a bit of a tin can sound. It was. So Robert said multiplora, but I have a feeling what he meant was multiflora. 
He's looking for it. It's not that hard to find. Um, it's actually a really, it, it's not a rose that's commonly grown because it's a, a species rose. It's a, um, it's the rootstock, and perhaps that's why Robert's looking for it. It's what we graft our chosen roses onto. So where would you get multiflora rose? Back in the day, I used to work for White Rose Nurseries, and that's exactly was the rootstock that we used. And it's a small green leaf, very small red, sometimes red and white flower, single flower, five simple petals, small, not showy, but hardy, super hardy, tough. And that's why, you know, all the fancy, the peace roses and the uh-huh. various roses get put onto that rootstock because it's got such a great, strong rootstock, and it's a very good, good rose to graft onto. So, in the absence of white rose nurseries, I would go towards um, Pickering nurseries because Pickering has huge rose selection. So, that would be my suggestion, Robert, is get in touch with Pickering nurseries and see if they can help you either with that with that plant or at least direct you where you could get multiflora rose or rosa multiflora. Okay? Okay. Okay. Wow. <laughs> and he hung up. Yes, he did. He's gone. He's gone, but he's he's writing that down, I hope. Yeah, I hope he is. The numbers, once again, Toronto, uh, 416-360-0740. And out of town, 1-866-740-4740. And we've got a couple of spaces left on the board, so if you want to get your call in, get it in now. Uh, there is a lady named Lucille. <laughs> and uh, she is calling from Barrie, Ontario. And she says she has something with um, a problem with her iris. And she's mm. bored with them. Or maybe it's the Iris bore. I think so. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Good morning, Iris. But no, you're, you're sure. not. No, you're this Lucille. Is Lucille. Good morning, Good morning Lucille. Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Don't and pay Robbie. any attention to me, uh, Lucille. I'm, I'm just, Robbie. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I had an Iris, a large clump, uh-huh. I thought uh, two days ago, looked rather uh, sick. Mm-hmm. So I took a spade mm-hmm. and I dug it out mm-hmm. and I found five of those ugly Ooh. iris bores. And are they ever ugly? They are. And they're big now too. Oh, they're pink. Oh, they're already more than an inch. Oh gosh. Yes, yeah. they are. And nearly, I don't have a large little finger, but it's nearly as yeah. big as my little finger. Oh yeah, because they're almost at full size now, which is why your digging of the iris bed now is perfect timing. This is exactly what the time to do it. And and you probably noticed, like you said, they look sick. The leaves were brown from the tips. They had browned right down to the ground. Everything was kind of scraggly looking and, and thin and sparse. Yes. And perhaps you had fewer flowers even this year than you've had in the past. Uh, the, no, actually it flowered uh, very well. Okay. I, I have a lot of iris. Yeah, okay. So I hardly know. I, I just feel if this is going on through my entire patch, my entire rose, I hardly know where to start. That could be a problem. You're right. The The trick with iris borer, and we did talk about this a little bit last week as well, because this is the time when we really need to do something about them. Once they're in the soil, they're in the soil. So once you discover iris borer in a patch of irises and you lift that entire patch and you get out your sharp knife and you start, you know, finding all these mushy rhizomes and ugly insects, the mushy part of the plant, all the insects, all of that needs to be eliminated, uh, whether it goes into the paper bags and out to the end of the driveway or you're able to um, enjoy stomping on the driveway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like You really need to kill those. The... Um, but there will be chunks of iris which will be healthy. They will typically be on the outside edge of the clump. Yes. They'll be firm. It might not be big clumps, but there will be chunks of, of rhizome where you can see there's no holes, there's no evidence of insect. The leaves still look pretty good. 
that those pieces you can keep, but the trick is you, it's not a good idea to put them back exactly where all that iris bore infested clump was. Mm-hmm. You need to plant them somewhere else in your property, mm-hmm. sunny and well-drained. Yeah. Well, in, and in the spring, you can no longer spray when they're four inches high with no. uh, Saigon. No. So I'm wondering, is there anything that I can use in the spring um, to protect them? Nope. No? Pretty succinct answer there. No, that's the thing. And this like goes back to your, like yeah. Robbie was talking about a mm-hmm. cedar leaf miner. Whenever we have insects inside a plant, it's it's quite tough to eradicate them. And you can't treat in advance. There's no way to treat in advance. Back in the day, once we saw evidence, then we would pull out the systemics like the Saigons or the dimethoates or the various uh, insecticides that plants would actually absorb, yeah. thus making the plant poisonous to the insect when the inside the the plant the insect would take a bite the insect would die Mm -hmm. of course we never use systemic insecticides on food crops because that would be silly we'd be eating poisonous food um so that was always the the trick now those systemics are no longer available you they just are not out there to be used anywhere in ontario so what do you do? Well, uh, like I say, the main thing you do is you try and in the case of irises, move them to a fresh patch if you can do so on your property where there's no evidence of borers now and do everything to keep them happy and healthy. You know, fertilizer, water, you know, good organic soil, everything to keep the plants as healthy as possible so they can withstand any kind of infestations and survive. Uh-huh. That's the they bottom line. They are rather hardy. Yes, they are. Yes. You'll always find, like I say, no matter how bad the, the clump looks, you'll always find like, some good bits. Mm. The drag, though, is that you know you got the boars in that spot, so now you got to yeah. move. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, I understand mm. when, I, when I took hold of the rhizome, there was one, one section, and it split. It was hard, and you could hear it crack. Yeah. It split. Yeah. So it, it was healthy. That's right. And if you're going to replant that section, get a knife and just make sure that's a nice clean cut rather than a ragged break. Yes. Right, because again, the plant will always heal better uh, and be, you know, more protected from bores if it's got a, a nice clean wound to heal. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Lucille. Good luck with that, Lucille. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I've had bores at my place too. It's going to be a hard job. <laughs> I know. It sounds like you've got a lot of irises. I do. But, I just love them. <laughs> uh, but this is the perfect time to do it. And of course, digging fork, just get in under there and pop them up out of the ground. Ah, uh-huh. that's oh. what I'm going to have to do, I guess, exactly. with the help of my husband. I was going to say, and and there is a, a company called Rent a Sun. When all else fails, <laughs> if you don't have a real sun, rent one. Well, I have <laughs> that's what I real do. Ones. Two wonderful ones. There you go. Put them to work. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for your call, Lucille. Bye-bye. <laughs> do you do that? Do you rent a son? Well, I have a couple of godsons who uh, oh, one perfect. of them is there today. Excellent. Trimming all the hedges. And, oh, uh, really? Yeah. It's hedge day at your it place, is, is it? It is. Clean up. I've been doing double shifts here, so I haven't been able to do it. You've been working like 16 days in a row or something, I know. It, I think it's slavery. <laughs> but It would I, be slavery if they didn't pay you. Aren't they paying you? Um, sometimes. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> they always say, how do you want it? Heads or tails? <laughs> All right. We've got uh, a couple of more calls here. We have, oh, before we take one, though, yeah. we better take a little bit of a break and we'll get back to Rick about his Shasta daisies. Hang on there, Rick. Friends say she's down to earth and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM 740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. 
And we are back. And, Charlie, just before you do what you do, I'm going to give out the phone numbers one more time. <laughs> okay. 416 or anywhere in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. And we've got some callers waiting patiently, and we're going to get to them after uh, you tell us about... After I finish doing my calisthenics. Well, she's doing that right now, ladies and gentlemen. Right? Exactly. Live in the studio. And I've got work to do. I've been, I've been away from my garden for the last week. Uh, you wouldn't believe that tomatoes are out of control. There's weeds. There's just it doesn't a, take long. a lot to do out there. And I, I understand there was a little bit of rain while I was away. There was, was a little bit. Yeah. Good to hear because yeah. it was so dry before I left. And, um, yeah, I've got some serious work to do. So all this sitting around in the studio and all the good food I've been eating while I was in Cornwall immersion and Mississippi, Mississippi Mills immersion through the Communities in Bloom program. I've been eating like a little, you know, and the baked goods, I'll tell you, eating a lot, sitting and talking and chit-chatting. I got to get loosened up, get ready to go to get jump into my garden, and that's where CRSL helps. Yeah, uh, Stiff elbows, uh, stiff hips, ankles, anything that repetitive. You know how we get out there pruning, like you mentioned yes. your godson, out there pruning the hedge. Anything repetitive ends up hurting. The older we are, the more it hurts. And I find that CRSL helps me not hurt as much. It is a completely natural mineral supplement, comes from the Sierra Mountains, doesn't work necessarily for everybody, but the idea is that if you're gonna if you're gonna feel better taking Cerasil, it's you're gonna feel better within 14 days. So full money guarantee, money back guarantee, and uh, the people there are great. So they're very very friendly and helpful. You have questions or you want to order some, you can buy it in your local health food store or you can get it sent via the company out of Vancouver. Give them a call or check them on the web. The phone number is one. 1- Eight seven seven joint fourteen, or the website is sierrasil.ca. Would you be? Would it be uh, better financially speaking to order directly or go to a store? Uh, I think it depends where you live. Uh, yeah. If you if you're in a city where you're close to one of the the Whole Food markets or Ambrosia or the Big Carrot, just bop over there and pick it up. If you're anywhere far from a from a store that that carries it, you really have no no option but okay. to have it sent to you. All right. Okay. Well, I'm going to order some today. I would. If you've got any any parts that aren't feeling quite right, you'd well, be amazed. Well, I do got some parts, but I'd rather not discuss it. <laughs> I was going to say, don't give us too much information on that. All right. Rick <laughs> has been waiting for a while, and he's all about Shasta daisies. Rick? Yes. Our garden in the spring and summer, we do very well with peonies, irises, tulips, daffodils, Ozark sundrops etc. But we have no luck at all with Shasta daisies. Every time we try to plant them, they do not bloom. Really? Tell us why. It's funny that you, Shastas are like one of the easiest things to grow. But, uh, but where are you gardening? In the backyard. Of course, but where, where are you actually located? In the Bayview Davisville area. Really? We have a deep backyard. Deep backyard uh, and big old trees. What? Big old trees? Right. So perhaps what's going on, Shastas will not bloom if they don't get any sun at all. I've, I've been able to get them to bloom where they get yeah, three or four hours of sunlight a day. The more sun, the more blooms you'll always have on a Shasta. Okay, so it might just be that. It just might be a whole sun question. Uh, is, but you said you got peonies and things like that we blooming. Have peonies, they do very well. In the same we backyard. Have roses this year, they did very well. Mm-hmm. And the same with Ozark sun drops, irises, everything else. 
did very well, but Shasta daisies, we never have any luck with them. Well, keep in mind, some of the, the, the plants you're mentioning that you're having good success with are early blooming, spring blooming, generally speaking, or early summer blooming. Yeah, we have Ozark sundrops in the summer, and they, yeah. we have daylilies that have done very well. Yeah, and even daylilies, you get lots of flowers on those in the, in the backyard with the big old trees. Yeah. Well, so what, a couple, I mean, Shastas are, are typically not hard to grow. Make sure you've got a good quality soil. Make sure it's well-drained. They don't want to be in a wet spot. And yeah. put them in the, the, the brightest. You know how when we're working around trees and we have gardens that are kind of nestled around our gardens, look yeah. for the spots that get the best amount of light. You know, yeah. there's going to be some darker and brighter spots. Mm-hmm. So just like your roses are going to be happiest in the sunniest spots, do the same with your Shastas. And also some of the newer Shasta daisies, I find are more compact and flower better than some of the old, more original ones. So there's there's a neat one out this year called Banana Cream, which is even a, a, a pale yellow Shasta daisy. But what it, is the best time of year to plant them? Because we have to start all over again. Spring is when you're going to find, you're going to I mean, you can plant them anytime, but I think you'll find your best selection is in the spring. All right. Thank good, you. Good luck with that. And Thank Rick, I, I'm definitely not a gardener, but I do have a plan. If that doesn't work, don't plant any more Shasta daisies. <laughs> Just plant what what works. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Some of it. Sometimes we all have a plant that's hard to grow. Yeah. I, you know. It's just, it might be our soil conditions, it might be our own cultural, you know, what we're willing to do. But sometimes there's just some plants that people go, I just can't grow that. It's like, so give it up. Yeah, really, because you know? why frustrate yourself yeah. year after year? Yeah. Uh, or or do the research and figure out what you're doing wrong, yeah. you know? Because, yeah. I mean, I struggled with lavender for years. I've struggled with dianthus, and it's because I'm in very heavy clay. And these are plants that just do not want to be in a real heavy soil. They yeah. need some air and some lightness to the soil. So if I'm willing to change the soil, I can usually be successful. Otherwise, pass. Exactly. Move on. There's okay. lots out there, as you point out. <laughs> right. Ridey, who sounds like Heidi, that's her name, is calling from Unionville <laughs> and uh, something to do with cucumbers. But we're going to take a little break first and come back and talk to you. So hang on, Unionville. There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. Brought to you by Scott's. And we're back. We are back. <laughs> Scrambling to get back. All right, here we are. We've got Ridey giving us a call from Unionville. Good morning, Ridey. Good morning. What's uh, going on? I, I uh, have been very, very sad and frustrated about my uh, cucumbers. I have, for the last two three years, um, w- as soon as the cucumbers are an inch long or so, mm-hmm. uh, they get chewed off from the blossom up, but not all the cucumber, always just the tips. And um, this happens even if any of them manage to grow to two or three inches. They get chewed off from the blossom up. And I I just don't know what to do. I've put netting over it. I don't know if it's squirrels or birds or it's not rabbits because it happens way up. Hmm. I wondered if you had any idea. I, I just, for three years now, I my plants are wonderful and... The cucumbers come, and when I get up in the morning, look at them, they are halfway chewed down. Hmm. That is a puzzle. And for sure it's chewed. Like you, It's almost like teeth marks, like a, like you're saying, squirrel or, or dog or some, something chewing. Uh, yeah, but it's, um, yeah, it looks chewed, and uh, but they are only an inch long or so. 
That's that's a tough one. I don't actually know what's chewing. I mean, certainly we're familiar with tomatoes and blossom end rot, and certainly cucumbers are susceptible to many fungal diseases. But to actually have the end, the blossom end missing and looking chewed in them, this is when you wake up in the morning. Yeah. So you tried when you put the netting over. Was it like a like a big sort of a fish net, or was it more like cheesecloth? Uh, no, it was like a fish net, like you have for uh, for fruit trees. Right to keep the birds. Uh, but you know. Cucumbers, I mean, they want to grow. They grow through that in no time. Right, exactly. It's very difficult keeping a netting. That's right. Well, and the, there's but, something. Uh, they are not rotting or anything, mm. they are just chewed off. That's, uh, you know what? This is a great question. Um, this, you guys are really giving me some tough ones today. Uh, that's, I'm going to have to get back to you. And I'm, that, I'm afraid to say, I just, unless somebody's got a quick answer right away off the top of their head, no, I have, I have no Robbie. answers at all. No answers at all. <laughs> Who would chew cucumbers? In, like, and this is in the morning. You don't. This is like you get up and the little tips are missing. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's always overnight. Sun. And they're they're in lots of sun, right? Your cucumbers are growing in lots of sun. Oh yeah, oh and, yeah. They, uh, there's lots of sun, and they well they they grow beautiful. They are big plants, and everything is healthy and. The little cucumbers come. I'm hmm. happy. I look in the morning and half of, but never the whole cucumber. It's always yeah. Well, the fact that it's chewing from the end indicates that it is something. Now I'm wondering. Um, so there are lots of. It's not like slugs. What do the leaves look like? The leaves look good. They're green. Yeah. No holes to speak of. Hmm. And no no powdery fuzz on them. No. Nothing. Frank wow. Proctor was once arrested for cucumber chewing. Do you still <laughs> think it's possible? He has some trained squirrels. He might have them out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just... Uh, okay, Ryder, you know I what? I thought it was squirrels because we have a lot of squirrels, but no, they would also not just eat the tips off. Not... Well, they would take... I mean, there is... And, yeah, I just wonder. I mean, there is a cucumber end rot where... No, it's not that. It's for sure it's not that, eh? No, it's, I mean, I've had that with my um, zucchini and yeah. that sort of thing. But no, this is, it's not a rot. It's, they are perfect yeah. in the afternoon and in the morning when I look, it's clearly chewed off. Yeah, so, because the, the way uh, the blossom end rot works, of course, is that it's a dark tip. Well, almost looks water soaked and then uh, it just enlarges. So you're right, it doesn't look like chewing at all. Um, uh, all no, right. this is truly like you see, it's, Freshly chewed and it's bright green, you know, sort yeah. of you. It's then if somebody took a bite of it. <laughs> okay. All right. Leave it with me. This is, I have a lot of homework and I will report back, I promise. Oh, that's good. How, how will you let uh, me know? Next time I'm here on the radio show, you just keep listening. Of course, the, our, we've got to go now. Uh, and, but next week I have a fill-in uh, host. So two weeks from today. Two weeks, yeah. I hope I'm home then. Okay. Um, we are podcast. Yes. If you miss the show, you can always listen just by going to iTunes, The Garden Show, and listen to that particular date show because they're all archived there. You can pick any show you want by date. Okay. Thanks, Ridy. All right. I <laughs> Take care in the meantime. All right. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Have a good weekend. Good luck, Ridy. And sorry we didn't get to Warner from Whitby yeah. about his zucchini plant, but uh, things are winding down here. They are. It's, uh, it's, where did the hour go? I don't know. It just went really fast. And I have to race out of here and not only do a bunch of homework, but, you know, gardening and everything yeah. else. And that's in preparation for myself going on holidays. Yes. So I'm heading up north with the family and will not be here next Saturday. But? Uh, I do have Dennis Flanagan Great filling guy. in.
Yeah. Uh, he is fun. He's, uh, he is the um, director of marketing for Landscape Ontario, yep. big trade association. He's also my co-host for a TV show we used to do together called right. One Garden, Two Looks. So Dennis is up when Frank will be back. Yes. So next week's garden show is the Frank and Dennis show as opposed to this week, which was the Robbie and Charlie show. And then when you get back on August the 13th, I believe mm-hmm. it is, I'll be here. Excellent. Yeah. Good to hear. Yes. Well, in the meantime, thank you so much. You've been so good. Oh, that's fun. It's always fun working with you. Oh, wonderful. And so I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yep. And you have a great holiday. Thank you very much. Thanks to all the great callers. And I'm sorry I wasn't able to be like sharp on, on some of these answers, but I'll get back to you. They Stay were tuned. tricky. They, they were tricky. They were. Thanks, Dave. Those crazy car guys are coming up uh, momentarily, <laughs> but we've got Bob Shepard in the news first, and then all that happens. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.